0: Um, yes, uh, last night uh, during the day, just ending and on conversations and, and just like, I don't know, this might be one of those, um, you know, mulligans for those that play golf. Um, but just as, as we continue just to, to pray into it, um, yeah, just trusting that, um, my family can get into what they need to today as well, cause they do have to go back, um, for some more, more stuff just to figure out what, what's going on there. And so we're, we're trusting in faith that, uh, those lines that are there are, are going to be short. <laughs> so, um, so thank you for uh, just the transition, kind of switching a little bit to, to allow um, me to uh, possibly go back sooner, uh, just to, to be with my, my family there as well. Um, some of you maybe, maybe got the, the text message or got kind of this, this idea that I'm going to be talking about this idea of testing and, and temptation this morning. And... It is a universal experience, isn't it? Everyone, no matter your background or circumstances, is gonna face testing or, or face temptation at some point in your life. No one here is immune, and, and I mean nobody. From the executives to, to those who are married, to those who are single, men and women, those who are retired, the millennials, the exennials, the Gen Z, whatever, category you find yourself in, the the artists, the musicians, the technicians, the engineers, the stay-at-home moms or dads, those that work out of town on the road, professional athletes, plumbers, welders, those that get to stand on stage in front of the lights, in front of a crowd, lawyers and bankers, church leaders alone in their studies, physicians and doctors, dentists, you, you name it. As you sit there today, as you sit here in that seat, we all are faced with trials and temptations, that it knows no barrier, that it doesn't select some and not others. And so today I'm going to talk about the idea of testing and this idea of of temptation and, and how it is a real experience for each one of us who are sitting in our seats or are watching online. This, this lure that lures us and this desire that's something that, that wants to potentially bring us happiness. This idea that, that it goes against, right, what, what God has, has commanded us, what, what God has for us, but there's this draw inside of us, isn't there? And so, this morning, I want to just be real with you this morning that... I understand where you, what you're going through. That the leaders here that have walked a journey with me know that that and Andy has shared on this too that pornography was something that that deeply in hooked me. In. And in James, it talks about this idea of this, this lure of temptation. And he uses this analogy of, and I don't, I don't fish, but those that fish understand that, that this idea of, of a fishing line with a hook on it and, and a worm in a way that it, drew, it draws the fish out. And I can tell you that in my life, I definitely felt that. I felt like I was hooked. I felt like I was being drawn into that. And no, no matter what I did, it didn't seem to, to make a difference. The more I, I I just fought with that. And through amazing leaders in this church, through uh, amazing accountability that, that day after day and, and having awkward conversations as well of accountability, trust me, I've had them all and they weren't fun. They weren't fun getting those phone calls. As I think about it, they were tough conversations to be like, Yeah, I was looking at that sort of stuff. And I had to humbly come before them and and admit. But through their accountability, through Jesus' grace and mercy, I'm not perfect, but I do understand what you're going through. I honestly do. This isn't one of those messages that has kind of this, I think I know, or, you know, I, I was thinking of that idea when you don't have kids. You're like, I I'm not going to let them eat that, or I'm going to sleep train them and all that stuff. I and mean, then you have kids and you're like, wow, it's totally different. That idea of actually experiencing those things, and so I do know what you're going through. Maybe for you sitting there, it's, it's sexual temptation. Maybe for you, it's, it's the lure of finances and money. It, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's body image. There's, there's so many things that, that Satan tries to tempt us with. And so I pray that through this message you hear my heart and you can see the emotions that this isn't an easy message. And I do understand. And so our prayer this morning is that you encounter Jesus in a real way that, that through this scripture this morning that you can get some practical handles as well as encountering the Holy Spirit to set you free. And so, what's amazing is, is Jesus' victory over sin becomes our victory, doesn't it? Because Jesus, when he was faced with temptation, when he was faced with the testing, he did not sin. And because of that, he can boldly proclaim being the Son of God, that he can boldly go, went to the cross for our sins because he was sinless. And that's an amazing thing this morning, that the Lord did that. And so, we're going to primarily stay in the book of Matthew. And, and as often as I do when I preach, I, I look back at, at what was going on in the earlier section of that in Matthew chapter 3. And so, we see how, as Jesus is walking from Galilee and, and eventually gets to the Jordan River. And he is baptized. And we see how the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove there. And Jesus, as he's being baptized, God speaks to the crowd that's there. He says, this is my son who I am well pleased. And as I went through chapter 4, as we're going to dig into deeper, we see these amazing parallels between the Israelites and their journey as well, and, and Jesus' journey as he enters into the wilderness. And as I started this morning, often your Bibles talk about temptation. It can also be, the word can also look at a testing. So this idea of of testing Jesus or or how Satan will test us and tempt us. And so join with me to chapter 4 of Matthew. Verse 1 it says this, it says, Then Jesus was led... By the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, with um, God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So if we break that down a little further, this first temptation as we see, this turning uh, stones into bread, We see Jesus respond with a passage out of Deuteronomy. And that passage is, it is written, one does not live on bread alone. And the context of that is Moses reminds the people of Israel in Deuteronomy while they are being tested in the wilderness. They are being tested by their hunger. And if you know that story, manna comes down from heaven and they are fed. They are fed as they are grumbling and they are complaining, but God provides. Then if we look at the second temptation, this, the rule over kingdoms of the world, and Jesus again responds out of Deuteronomy. It is written, worship the Lord your God and only serve him, is in Deuteronomy 6.13. You see, Moses again addressing the people when they were in the wilderness as they were trying to enter the promised land, as they were going through the wilderness, trying to, to look towards what God had promised his people. Then, temptation three to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple. You see, as I'm going to talk later. Satan is actually quoting scripture as well, out of Psalm 91. But then Jesus responds, yet a third time, it's important, we see that out of Deuteronomy. Do not put your God to the test. And we see that that connects again to the story where Moses was talking to the people as as they began to quarrel about water. And we see as Moses doesn't just tap the rock, he strikes the rock out of frustration with what was going on with the people. And it's actually quite significant that Jesus quotes out of Deuteronomy. He actually could have quoted a few other places in the Old Testament, but it's significant that he quotes out of Deuteronomy. You can see some of when you stop and you pause, you can see the connections between the Israelites in the wilderness and Jesus. First off, kind of on the surface, these 40 days versus 40 years as the Israelites wandered in the desert. But do you notice that it says in Scripture that Jesus was hungry? How many of you have experienced that as well as, as I've kind of just shared that, that Satan obviously waits for Jesus to be at the bottom, that he's hungry, that he's been fasting for 40 days and at that moment Satan kind of says, ooh, here's a time that I can strike. I'm sure many of us have, have experienced that where we're at our lowest and, and then the voices start to come, don't they? The devil's like that. Because he, he wants to come and and rob and he wants to steal and destroy when we're at our lowest moments. And and yet Jesus in his in his response has this beautiful picture of, of how we can respond to these times. He looks for those, those times when we're vulnerable. When you think of Ephesians 6 and putting on the armor, right? Of God. Always think about that. He, he tries to look for those, those spaces in the armor, doesn't he? Those weak points. And as we look at the first generation of the Israelites, they sadly didn't enter the promised land, did they? that there was there was only Joshua and Caleb that out of that first generation that actually got to see and a little bit Moses from the hilltop got to see what the promised land was like and we see now as we've read Jesus being led into the wilderness as well this speaking to the the first generation of of those that, that didn't follow what God had called them to. And we see Satan as he, as he continues to test Jesus. He, he continues to, to go after Jesus and his sonship, doesn't he? He tries to, in a way, going back to that earlier scripture where I was talking about fishing. He's trying to bait Jesus into taking this a step down from who Jesus knows who he is. The son of God. He's trying to also, in a way, get get Jesus to dishonor his father. And at each turn, Jesus replies to Satan in a way which stresses the continued effects of Scripture on those who serve God. He continues to point that he is the Son of God. By quoting Deuteronomy, Jesus implies and, and does it well that he is this faithful son of God. That, that those that have gone before him sadly failed, right? Right from the beginning we go back to Adam failing in the garden. And other kings and, and then the first generation of the Israelites. We can see how, how they fell short. But Jesus doesn't, does he? It's amazing. Through Jesus' obedience... He is granted the ability to enter this this inheritance that God has for him. As we also see the the second generation of the Israelites entering the promised land. That Jesus is faithful. And furthermore, Jesus in in those, those times just continues to show Satan that he is the son of God by his obedience, by his faith, by his loyalty to God the Father. And you see, friends, there was a lot at stake, wasn't there? Do you know what was at stake? You and me. Do you know that, that the relationship that Jesus Wanted to restore that was at stake. You were at stake. That relationship that you could have with the Father was at stake. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that He had to be that one to be sinless, to go to the cross, to die for our sins. He knew that. He, right, it talks about how Jesus went to the cross knowing that, knowing that that relationship needed to be restored, that Jesus remained sinless. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? To be reminded what Jesus did. You know, maybe this is is a bad analogy to add this particular point in your sermon to do this, but thinking of, thinking of Star Wars. I know, you're like, oh man, that was a really bad segue. But when... Darth Vader is talking to to Luke in that moment, right? Where they're fighting each other. And he says, come join me. Why don't you just join me? Just think of what we can do together. This idea of that testing and that temptation to know. But Luke knew, right? He knew and we're all sitting there on the outside watching that. Like, Luke, no, don't do it. We know there's 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 another episode. I know there is. So don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. And Lord, forgive me, I'm not trying to compare Luke Skywalker, I know. But just that analogy and that idea of how Jesus knew the cost. Jesus knew that there was something more ahead. And that was you and I. That was, that was for, for us to have the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. For us to carry that where, where Jesus couldn't go all the time through the power of the Holy Spirit, when, when Jesus was on earth. And I know, trust me, there are so many times in my life where I'm like, Jesus, I wish you were here and that I could just follow you around. Right? And Jesus said with his own words, it's better that I go, for the Holy Spirit is going to come. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit would come when he went to the cross and he defeated death. powerful what jesus did in those moments so as i stated earlier this idea of testing or or this idea of temptation that that as i said we're we're all familiar with and there's there's lots of information out there and, and as I was going through just some practical steps of what, well, what is this temptation, to put it in a, a practical four-step. And I found some helpful stuff from, a, from the purpose-driven life. Maybe some of you have read it or maybe it's been a while. First, we see how Satan with temptation, what he wants to do is he wants to identify a desire inside of us, doesn't he? Maybe it could be something simple. Maybe it could be revenge or control, or it could be normal desires. And I want to be clear that there's, there's things in our lives that, that happen. And I think of often, as, as I shared with my story, this idea of, and, and it can get confusing, can it? And this is why we have an MC uh, as well to keep me in check, uh, to maybe come up and, and clarify. But for myself, right? As as I drive by, you know what is it? Whispers or something like that. And I see the sign, and there's something inside of me. Do I allow it to continue, or do I stop it there? Do I see somebody, an attractive woman? and see it as attraction and stop at that or do i allow it to to fester and to lead into that lust you see see what i'm saying it's it's there's a there's a very difficult balance there isn't there god has created those things inside of us but unfortunately we often allow those things to continue don't we and that's what the devil wants to do because as we've talked about in the the sermon on the mount every time i I think those sort of things, like I have to crash my car or something like that, or cut off my hands or my eyes, right? And it's like, Jesus, that's an intense statement, isn't it? Because he did that because he knew we couldn't do it without him going to the cross. He knew it was him that had to carry those things. And we shouldn't feel that, that condemnation and that guilt, but we do need to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit in those moments, don't we? To not allow this inside of us to continue to, to snowball in a way. And again, ask for clarification because that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> but it can start, right? That, that testing can often start in our minds, doesn't it? And allowing the p- power of the Spirit to stop those things. And then the devil can, can kind of move to maybe this idea of step two in doubt. As we look at Adam and Eve you know what, if you take of the fruit, God doesn't really want you to know this, or right? Satan starts to put doubt in our minds, doesn't he? That God is really who he says he is. And, and again, this is that, that part that comes down to that piece of that doubt. And, and, and it's a hard one when I even say it, that idea of faith. That he goes after our faith and our belief, doesn't he? Like God is actually who He says He is, and we we battle with that faith piece. No, God is actually who He says He is, but Satan tries to say, hmm, I don't know." He's holding something back from you, right? And I think of there's a uh, Maxicato story where he kind of paints that picture of a, of a uh, Jesus and God as as a carpenter and he's in this city and he builds this wall to protect the people of the city but there's, there's one piece of the wall missing and there's this young boy that keeps looking at that hole in the wall and he's drawn to it and he, what he does is he goes through that because he thinks there's something missing on the outside of the wall but when he goes outside of the wall all he does is he sees the darkness and coming around him and he's scared but when he turns around to look at the wall, the wall is blocked now. Because he's entangled in this decision. But do you know what it says in that amazing story? Is that the second he went through there, Jesus as the carpenter picks up his staff and he walks towards that kid. And he goes through the wall and he brings him back. And he takes his place. There's that that doubt sometimes that can creep in, doesn't it? But Jesus is still there. And that can tie into kind of maybe another step of of deception. These these half-truths that Satan tries to say. You know he is incapable of truth? He twists everything. Satan offers a lie in replace of what God has already said in his word. As he Tested Jesus, he, he quotes those scriptures, right? But he, but he twists them, he, he's trying to, to trick Jesus. But of course, as we read, Jesus doesn't fall for those. If you eat of the fruit, you won't die. As he said to Adam and Eve, you'll be, you'll be wise like God. All of these things that he just spews out these lies. Nobody will ever know. And then for it, it can lead into disobedience. We, we act on those thoughts as I was trying to articulate earlier. What began as a thought birthed itself into behavior. And we start to give into what grabs our attention. We start to believe those lies that Satan has thrown at us to trap us. To going back to that scripture in James, that, that hook, that barbed hook, that as, as, as the fish pulls away, digs deeper. As, as we try to pull away, it, it tries to dig deeper. Yeah, friends, as, as we go through this story, we see how Jesus is an amazing example To fight the testing and the temptation. You see, first, what does Jesus do? Is Jesus refused immediately, doesn't he? He doesn't have this debate between Satan, he quotes Scripture immediately. That, as we see in Hebrews 4. We have a great high priest who entered heaven. Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, he understands our weakness. He understands it, doesn't he? Because he was faced with everything that we've been faced with as well. It's so encouraging to know that, isn't it? Yet he did not sin. Another thing that I see here is is Jesus was prepared. Jesus used scripture. He had it immediately. He said it and stated it immediately. He didn't give Satan a chance. He used scripture like that weapon, like that two-edged sword that the Bible talks about. Jesus quoted scripture. He didn't argue. He, He didn't say, well, I'm too hungry when he was tempted to Call out a meal from heaven? He simply quoted scripture from memory. And I've been challenged this week to do the same. There's so much power in the word of God, isn't there? Because Satan fears it. Because of its reality and its truth. And the next one is... Obviously, so important the reliance on the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Do you know that we have a 24 7 hotline, <laughs> if I put it that way? We can go to God anytime we want, friends. And I know in, in my life, we can tend to take that for granted, can't we? We get so used to it that we can forget that that is there in every moment. Again, being reminded of that Hebrews passes, that, that Jesus understands. And, and I know in my own life, in, in those moments, sadly, I have to admit that it was me that pushed through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit never left. There was always times when I could sense his presence in those moments, but I sadly would choose otherwise. And for those that that have been in a relationship with Jesus, like, you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in different ways, but I, I knew with my, I would, like, for example, like, I would randomly throughout the day I would get like butterflies and nervous feelings and all this. And I'm like, what is going on? And I knew that later I would have opportunities to make poor choices and I would have a choice. I knew that that's what it would be because sadly I walked in that so much. I knew what it was. And I, for a long time I ignored those things. Just like being set up for failure. And then you, in those moments I'd be like, Jesus, I knew that that's what you're telling me. I knew that you were like, no, close that. Call a friend. You know, all those things. Like, I knew that. And sadly, standing up here in front of people, right? Everyone, I have to admit that, that, that those times. Yet I'm so thankful that people that are sitting here that, that I had accountability with to pray for me that I could talk through those times with. That idea of shame, it's real, isn't it? Or embarrassment. I know I've felt all those things. Like, how can I call out to you, God? Like, I'm actually embarrassed right now because I've fallen short in, these, in, in temptation. But I love how God does not get irritated. He's not bored. He's not impatient. He's there for us every time remarkable and just some some final thoughts that'll I'll elaborate maybe two of the worship team can can get ready as well Ephesians 2, 8-10 For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not Nathan's doing. <laughs> it is a gift from God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. I can tell you I cannot stand here and I cannot boast. <laughs> Only by the grace of God can I stand here. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And as I've shared this morning early on as I Megan and I came to this church becoming like Jesus was a process and again I'm very thankful to those that were on that journey with me and continue to be on that journey with me to check in and ask how it's going that I can stand here becoming like Jesus is a process as we've been talking through this series about becoming like Jesus becoming like Jesus and this idea of, of being tested and tempted as, as I've talked about. But this idea of a process, and, and as I was going through it, this analogy of the allies as, as they were fighting uh, in the South Pacific. What they would do is, is they would first get to an island and then they would soften it up. They would weaken the resistance. They would try to take out the uh, strongholds of the, the enemies, then eventually the marines or the military would take that ground. By little, by little, they would take those, the entire island and take it under control. And this idea of the parallel that when Christ invades our lives, when the Holy Spirit connects with us, he sometimes needs to soften us up, doesn't he? Sometimes he, he does that. Sometimes he needs to speak deeply to our hearts and to our minds. That he he knocks on the door of our hearts. And maybe there are some of you here that have been resisting that knocking. And I pray today that, that you would open up your hearts and allow him to come in. To have a relationship with him. To experience Jesus. That to allow in this analogy Jesus to, to gain that beach hold to to of our lives. That you would surrender to Him this morning. That there's things maybe too in your life right now that you're not aware of, and as the power of the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that He's there's things that are gonna be revealed but he loves you and he cares for you so deeply. You see, we, we can't become more like Jesus in our, on our own strength, can we? We can't make New Year's resolutions or, or willpower or best intentions aren't good enough. Deep down, only the power of the Holy Spirit can make changes. You see, spiritual growth is often referred to as in, in the Bible as, as seeds growing, as, as buildings as well, that there's these metaphors, but they, they also, it's, it's this tricky spot, isn't it? There's this tension between reliance on the Holy Spirit, but then there is parts that we have to play as well. And so I want you to, to hear me that it absolutely is the power of the Holy Spirit, but there's things as well that, that God calls us to. The Bible talks about we need to make every effort. And so for me, as I've talked about earlier, there was things that I needed to put in place in my life to help me during those times. So there's that tension. And so I want to make sure it's clear, it's that effort has nothing to do with salvation. But it has to do with this idea of spiritual growth. And I'm gonna end with this analogy. For those that that are parents, and, and I admit I did get distracted looking at videos uh, of my kids. But for those that have experienced, or maybe nephews and nieces, or, or that sort of thing, where, where kids go from crawling to walking. And those that have little ones where they don't crawl or walk, it's a good time, trust me. You get so much more accomplished they, when they just sit there. Once they start crawling, it's like, oh man. But as they start to lift themselves up, that's the process. They start to find things that they can lift themselves up on coffee tables and and this and, and as parents then you frantically have to baby prove everything because they slip and they fall and they hit their chins and and they stumble over and they fall backwards and all that sort of stuff but as i went back to the videos of my kids walking was i standing there videotaping and as they wobbled and they fell did i say well, i've seen better nice try i can walk how come you can't that's not what I did, and that, I know that's not what you did for those that have experienced that. You cheered them on, didn't you? You were excited, weren't you? You were elated that they were taking that next step, weren't you? That is how the Father sees us in this moment. He is excited. He is there waiting for you to take that step into a new you. Into seeing your old self be left behind. He is so excited He is over the moon when people lay down their lives and follow him. He's not disappointed. You know what? He's already a few steps ahead of you and I, isn't he? He's waiting to see if we'll be as courageous as he thinks and knows we are. When we take a step, he's not surprised when we stumble. He's not angry when we fall. He rushes to you and to I, and he scoops us up into his arms and loves us. Just as I do with my kids when I see that they had fallen, I scoop them up and I rejoice with them when they get back up again. And maybe some of you here are, are thinking that God asked for perfection And that he's disappointed in you, but he is not. You see, I've come to realize that God is far more like those proud parents who celebrates with us when we get up, when we walk towards him. And so friends... Our prayer this morning is that you would come on a journey with us to step forward. To allow the Holy Spirit to to speak to you. That we're trusting in faith that God is going to do something in each of our lives. For us to, to move past things that maybe have held you captive for a long time. And there could be lots of various experiences, but we believe that God is able, as as the kids are learning as well, that God is able. And so, I'm going to hand over to Andy, and we're going to provide an opportunity for us to, to just focus on the King of Kings and to pray and to see people set free, restored, and healed to move into all that God has for us. Amen.